Good morning and welcome to the Unitarian Universalist Church of Kent. We are so glad you're here. We welcome and gather as a diverse and inclusive spiritual community that seeks to inspire love, work for justice, and grow in community. As we sang, whoever you are, we welcome you. Wherever you have come from, we welcome you. And whomever you love, we welcome you. May this be a place where you can be your fullest and most authentic self. I'd like to invite the Kiernan family to come forward for our chalice lighting. Each Sunday as worship begins, we light our chalice as a symbol of our faith and a light of hope to illuminate our day and our week to come. Our chalice lighting words are by John Gibb Millspa. Leave aside the little thoughts that distract you, for this place, like all places, is a holy place, and now, like all times, is a holy time. Join with this community of seekers, and together, let us find. I write a line giving voice to a notion, sounded out as it's forming inside. I let it shine, I let it show my devotion. I'm a child, letting life be my guide. Oh, my voice ascend on its way. As the silence of night is turning to day, let the writing decide what I say as I'm giving voice to life. I write a poem giving voice to the unspoken. Watch the words reach the edges of time. Like a song, I sing it out to the ocean. I like the sound of the rhythm and the rhyme. Oh, my voice ascend on its way. As the silence of night is turning to day, let the writing decide what I say. As I'm giving voice to life, who knows? What will the wind bring with two roads? What will the next song sing? New words turning into something, though few will be heard. The true ones change the world. My poem can change the world. song giving voice to this glory make the sound open up to the sky let the words tell the most of the story then like the birds we'll let the melody fly oh my voice ascend on its way as the silence and night is turning to day let the writing decide what i say as i'm giving voice to life
inspiration for this service today occurred many years ago when a chalice group I participated in chose the topic of prayer for reflection and discussion. I was excited by the prospect as prayer was something I had been contemplating for quite a while. Imagine my surprise though when I found that many others in the group were disappointed in the topic. Prayer was not part of their spiritual practice and thus did not resonate with them. Prayer was just too steeped in the tradition of their past and the word held too much negativity to be useful. Some members of the group were slightly changed of opinion after our session, but not all. And this is where the inspiration comes in. I wondered if others in the church felt this way about prayer. And I also wondered how I could open the door to a practice that can be so fulfilling on many spiritual levels. So I led a Vesper service back when we had those, not that long later, and I found the same opinions. Some enjoyed prayer while most others did not. What I did find as a common thread throughout these two meetings was that folks who did not like prayer did enjoy meditation, while others used directed energy through candles or spells, or still others believed in sending good vibes or good thoughts. Is there a difference in these practices? Is it different like words for God are different? Is it the same practice under a name that makes us comfortable? And how can poetry open that door? While what we do and say may be different, what we feel and achieve through all of these practices are the same. And to me, that is what matters. Come, let us worship together. We come to this place for one hour on a Sunday morning, to this holy place of love. We are here together, surrounded by the sound of life. Yet let us take a few moments to set aside that which has come on our mind and our hearts, to put down that which is in our hands, and simply sit and be. Focus on your breath if you wish. Close your eyes and just let what is in this ether come to you and find its way in. Will you join me now in the spirit of prayer? Spirit of light and love, by the light of this chalice, we call into this holy and sacred space love and care for all those hearts that are hurting so deeply this morning. For those who are struggling with serious illness, for those who have passed on to another realm of existence, for all who carry something heavy in their hearts, we call upon that spark of the divine that lives in each of us to illuminate, give warmth and give light to our hopes, our prayers, 
our most fervent hopes and wishes that those will be healed or their suffering will be reduced. We ask for ongoing help for those touched by the violence of weaponry, for our brothers and sisters in Odessa and Midland, Texas, just yesterday, yet again. We call on you, spirit of life and love, to help us through the struggles, not only of our own lives, but of all those in the world around us. Perhaps by bringing each of our sparks together, we will truly be that beacon of light and hope in the world that we strive to be. May you take the light of this chalice with you this week and let it shine wherever you go for whoever needs it, including yourself. Amen and blessed be. Make me a love warrior. Make me a love warrior.
As Elaine and I read our selections of poetry this morning, in order to keep the meditative spirit, we will not read the titles and authors. We're going to alternate voices. There's a list in your order of service of the poems. The poems will go in that order if you wish to follow along. Even after all this time, the sun never says to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with a love like that. It lights the world. Hope is the thing with feathers that perches in the soul and sings the tune without the words and never stops at all. And sweetest in the gale is heard and sore must be the storm that could abash the little bird that kept so many warm. I've heard it in the chillest land and on the strangest sea. Yet never in eternity it asked a crumb of me. It doesn't have to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention. Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks and the silence in which another voice may speak. After all, there's no need to say anything at first. An orange, peeled and quartered, flares like a tulip on a Wedgwood plate. Anything can happen. Outside, the sun has rolled up her rugs and the night strewn salt across the sky. My heart is humming a tune I haven't heard in years. Quiet's cool flesh. Let's sniff and eat it. There are ways to make of the moment a topiary so the pleasures in walking through. My eyes already touch the sunny hill, going far beyond the road I have begun. So we are grasped by what we cannot grasp. It has an inner light, even from a distance, and changes us, even if we do not reach it, into something else which, hardly sensing it, we already are. A gesture waves us on, answering our own wave, but what we feel is the wind in our faces. Bring me all of your dreams, you dreamers. Bring me all of your heart melodies that I may wrap them in a blue cloud cloth away from the two rough fingers of the world. When despair for the world grows in me and I wake in the night at the least sound in fear of what my life and my children's lives may be, I go and lie down where the wood drake rests in his beauty on the water 
and the great heron feeds. I come into the peace of wild things who do not tax their lives with forethought of grief. I come into the presence of still water and I feel above me the day blind stars waiting for their light. For a time I rest in the grace of the world and am free. We alone can devalue gold by not caring if it falls or rises in the marketplace. Wherever there is gold, there is a chain, you know, and if your chain is gold, so much the worse for you. Feathers, shells, and C-shaped stones are all as rare. This could be our revolution, to love what is plentiful as much as what is scarce. The Phoebe sits on her nest, hour after hour, day after day, waiting for life to burst forth from under her warmth. Can I weave a nest for silence? Weave it of listening, listening, layer upon layer? But one first must become small, nothing but a presence, attentive as a nesting bird, proffering no slightest wish, no tendril of a wish toward anything that might happen or be given. Only the warm, faithful waiting contained in one's smallness, beyond the question, the silence, before the answer, the silence. The way a crow shook down on me the dust of snow from a hemlock tree has given my heart a change of mood and saved some part of a day I had rued. Gather ye rosebuds while ye may, old time is still a-flying, and this same flower that smiles today, tomorrow will be dying. The glorious lamp of heaven, the sun, the higher he's a-getting, the sooner will his race be run, and nearer he's to setting. That age is best which is the first, when youth and blood are warmer. But being spent, the worse and worst, time still succeeds the former. Then be not coy, and use your time, and while ye may go merry, for having lost but once your prime, you may forever tarry. Go placidly amid the noise and haste, and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly, and listen to others even the dull and ignorant, they too have their story. 
Avoid loud and aggressive persons. They are vexations to the spirit. If you compare yourself with others, you may become vain and bitter. For always, there will be greater and lesser persons than yourself. Enjoy your achievements as well as your plans. Keep interested in your career, however humble. It is a real possession in the changing fortunes of time. Exercise caution in your business affairs, for the world is full of trickery. But let this not blind you to what virtue there is. Many persons strive for high ideals, and everywhere life is full of heroism. Be yourself. Especially do not feign affection. Neither be critical about love, for in the face of all aridity and disenchantment, it is as perennial as the grass. Take kindly to the counsel of the years, gracefully surrendering the things of youth. Nurture strength of spirit to shield you in sudden misfortune but do not distress yourself with imaginings. Many fears are born of fatigue and loneliness. Beyond a wholesome discipline, be gentle with yourself. You are a child of the universe, no less than the trees and the stars. You have a right to be here. And whether or not it is clear to you, no doubt the universe is unfolding as it should. Therefore, be at peace with God, whatever you conceive him to be. And whatever your labors and aspirations in the noisy confusion of life, keep peace with your soul with all its sham, drudgery, and broken dreams, it is still a beautiful world. Be careful. Strive to be happy. Do not go gentle into that good night. Old age should burn and rave at close of day. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Though wise men at their end no dark is right, because their words had fork no lightning, they do not go gentle into that good night. Good men the last wave by, crying how bright their frail deeds might have danced in a green bay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Wild men who caught and sang the sun in flight and learned too late they grieved it on its way. Do not go gentle into that good night. Grave men near death who see the blinding sight. Blind eyes could blaze like meteors and be gay. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. And you, my father, there on the sad height. Curse, 
Bless me now with your fierce tears, I pray. Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Literature has been a part of my life for as long as I can remember. My mother instilled in me a love of books by reading to me every night and giving me my first novel, The Secret Garden by Frances Hodgson Burnett. My love of poetry came later when I was assigned the epic poem Beowulf in my AP English class in high school. I fell in love with verse even though my classmates thought it was awful and hard to read. From there, I discovered Chaucer's Canterbury Tales and several of the poems that we read this morning. One of our assignments in my AP English class was to memorize the first 18 lines in Old English of the Canterbury Tales, a task that I greatly enjoyed and can still recite to this day. Then we moved on to Shakespeare, Keats, Dunn, and all the great masters of English verse. In college, I discovered many more poets and poems, including the works of pre-Columbian indigenous groups, Spanish-American colonial poets, and Mexican-American or Chicano poetry of the Southwest United States. But it wasn't until I joined this church that I learned how spiritual and prayerful poetry could be. Like so many other UUs, I was raised Catholic. As a young girl, bedtime prayers were a nightly ritual when I stayed with my grandparents, which was quite often. We knelt by the side of the vast king-sized bed, hands together in a prayerful pose, and began to recite the Lord's Prayer, the Hail Mary, and the Act of Contrition, after which we would spend time quietly praying our own personal prayers to God. However, I did not use that quiet time quite in the same way as my grandparents did, I'm sure. First, the prayers we recited confused me. I did not understand the trespassing part of the Lord's Prayer. My grandfather had a no trespassing sign on his land, but I did not think it was quite the same idea the prayer expressed. I did not understand why Mary had fruit in her womb as suggested by the Hail Mary, much less what a womb was at that age. Further, I thought that the act of contrition was rude because it began, oh my God, I am heartily sorry for having offended thee. Much later, I found out that the correct word is heartily, which of course makes more sense, but I had never heard that word, never heard that word before then. So, I spent most of my quiet time contemplating these mysteries and waiting for my grandparents to get up so I could too. As rocky as the practice of prayer began for me, I did find solace in prayer later in my life. I went through many stages of finding it useless, but always returned to praying in times of conflict or sadness. I no longer use traditional prayers since the language did not reflect my beliefs. So when I felt the need to pray, I just used my own language. I did, however, miss those traditional prayers, and when I discovered Unitarian Universalism over 14 years ago, I searched for books of UU prayers, only to come up empty-handed. What I did find again and again were books of poems, sometimes called meditations, which were offered as a means of a uh, contemplative practice. 
I had never thought to use poetry in this way, but I bought a few, hoping it would replace the prayers I, would used to, I was used to. But while I did find the poetry beautiful, it wasn't quite the same. My world opened up a few years after joining the church when I took a class called Living by Heart with the former minister of this church, the Reverend Melissa Carvel-Zemer. This class teaches, among many other things, that by memorizing poems that speak to our soul, we can always have that poem with us when the need arises, much like traditional prayers. During the class, I began to see the value in spiritual poetry as a means to enter into a place of prayer or meditation. One poem, A Walk, by Rainier Maria Rilke, was particularly meaningful to me. My eyes already touch the sunny hill, going far ahead of the road I have begun. So we are grasped by what we cannot grasp. It has its inner light even from a distance and changes us, even if we do not reach it, into something else, which, hardly sensing it, we already are. A gesture waves us on, answering our own wave, but what we feel is the wind in our faces. This poem reminds me to stay in the here and now, to feel the wind on my face. And because I memorized it, I can call it up anytime I feel the need to slow down and remember who and where and what I am. This practice works for me because sometimes my own words are just not enough. In his book, Simply Pray, Eric Wickstrom writes that prayer is one of those religious concepts that carry a lot of baggage for many people, much like God language or other traditional religious language. He says that after having been given a lot of concepts they are expected to understand, or at least memorize, people are often invited to fit their experiences into prefabricated cubbyholes. This is what God is, they're told, now go find him. This is what a spiritual experience feels like, now go have one. But in order for the other person to really know what you're talking about, deeply, fully, she or he will have to experience it directly. Wickstrom suggests that prayer is a conversation with the sacred, whatever we consider that to be. His book is very accessible to all, but especially to you use, because it is not the name of the practice or the name of the sacred something that's important. It's the feeling, the experience, the journey itself. He suggests that if you long to connect with the sacred, if you desire to live a life that is more in touch with the holy, stop listening for something and simply start listening. Notice those places in your life where you have felt in the presence of the holy. Remember those experiences in which you have heard your connectedness. Seek in your own life those places where you have encountered or are encountering the sacred. In other words, simply pray. Pray without any preconceived notion of what you're doing or why. Simply do it and see what happens. Easier said than done, for sure, especially for you use. So how do you go about beginning this spiritual practice of prayer? Wickstrom outlines four methods of prayer. Naming, knowing, listening, and loving. 
Of these four, I would like to hold up the last two for you this morning. A listening prayer is, for me, the hardest kind to enter. Wickstrom defines a listening prayer as a silencing prayer, a centering prayer, a prayer that quietly frees us from the clutter and cacophony that generally reign over our interior world. I find it nearly impossible to empty my mind as thoughts keep rushing in at a speed faster than I can control. This type of prayer practice takes practice. I have discovered that poetry can help slow down these crazed thoughts. The Rilke poem is one that I most often turn to when I need to slow down and shut off the thoughts in my head. I can do this anywhere, anytime, because I have the poem in my heart. But memorizing an entire poem isn't necessary. You can find a line or two that speak to you and carry them with you so that you can focus your mind on the words in order to quiet yourself enough. I repeat a line or two from the poem until I reach the state of calm that I need. I've used the first few lines of the Desiderata for this purpose for many years. Go placidly amid the noise and haste and remember what peace there may be in silence. As far as possible without surrender, be on good terms with all persons. Speak your truth quietly and clearly and listen to others, even the dull and ignorant. They too have their story. A loving prayer is one that we practice every Sunday during service. We call it our embracing meditation. We say aloud the names of those who need us or who are celebrating something important in our lives. We engage the collective energy that we produce through the power of our community. Wickstrom writes, we are communal beings by nature. We live in community and it can be argued it is through community that we are really alive. No matter how isolated we may seem, we are all connected to one another on the most basic human level. What matters to you matters to me. A loving prayer allows us the opportunity to widen our circle of caring to others who may be in need. Some would argue that it isn't necessary to pray to God since God is all-knowing and thus should know when we need him, her, its, their help. Wickstrom says the answer to that is simple. We do not pray so that God knows about people's needs. We pray to make sure we know. Whether or not you believe there is a God listening to your prayers, holding people in your heart and mind is enough. There are many ways of practicing loving prayer. In the popular novel, The Help, by Karen Stockett, Aveline writes in a notebook, which she spends up to two hours per night, in which she spends up to two hours per night writing her prayers. People in her community badly desire to get in Aveline's prayer book, as it seems the people she prays for quickly get the help they need. Aveline says, that's the way prayer do. It's like electricity. It keeps things going. I believe the thing that keeps going is the energy put forth during the prayer. You simply cannot hold on to negative energy when you are praying for the benefit of someone else. It dissolves away when we focus on the troubles or celebrations of others. 
The words of the hymn we sang for the hymn of affirmation are my favorite words to say for a loving prayer as they remind me that we all need to be filled with loving kindness no matter what our circumstances in life. Even before taking the Living by Heart course with Reverend Melissa, she taught me to recite this hymn whenever I was dealing with a particularly difficult family member. It helped me remember that she too needed kindness. In fact, using a hymn or one of Hal's songs as a prayer can be more accessible than poetry because words set to music are usually easily easier to remember. Whatever words you use, loving prayer invites us to remember our common humanity and to broaden our circle of caring. It is a way to keep things going. At this point, I want to give a shameless plug for myself. I am leading the Living by Heart course for this church year. If you are interested in any of this practice, I would encourage you to sign up. The information can be found on the other side of the poetry list for what we read. We'll probably meet at seven, yeah. It is my hope that the practice of prayer, or whatever name you choose to call this practice, can lead you to a place of peace and light in your life. Whether you use poetry or hymns, prayer beads or covenants, or even the seven principles, familiar words can aid you to find the quiet place within yourself, the place that illumines where you are, who you are. It doesn't matter how you begin, just begin. Listen, open your heart, simply pray. You may be amazed at what you find. May it be so. Amen and blessed be. This is a poem by our very okay. own Kim Rivers, Hampshire. Kim Rivers. Uh, it's called May It Not Come Undone. A perfect poem for this first day of September. Thick rainbow chard and yellow corn. We run past the market tents to where the light hangs over the river in eternal September. Yesterday the sun adored us and showed your smiling faces. Now blue-gray shadows stretch into the corners of twilight. I stare at the highest branch and pray for a sacred ritual that wiser words might open us softly back to that which we share. Our produce bags are heavy, yet amidst the piles of sweet apples, my finger traces the crimson coxcomb and my mother asks if I get lonely. Like beans, green tendrils, sure and steady in their search, I reach for higher truth, sure of someone beside me. Together we stand in fleshy rows, our arms braiding us skin to skin. May it not come undone. Spare us the bitter unraveling. Deliver us from dragging our walls along with us. Maybe light the candles. Sing with me while I pray for sun and rain and for safekeeping. 
for September is tender. Singing together is a beautiful spiritual practice and one that we do regularly on Thursday evenings from 6.15 until quarter of seven in a group called Sacred Song Circle to which you are all invited each and every week. And we sing short songs that are easily memorized and they fill a place in your heart you did not know needed filling. <laughs> Today, Sanus, our leader, will help us with this very short, beautiful piece that comes from the book of Micah. I didn't know it until I learned it at Reverend Harold Walker's memorial service. And I hope you will enjoy it and carry it with you in your hearts in the week to come. What does the Lord require of you? What does the Lord require? to be the blue iris. It could be weeds in a vacant lot or a few small stones. Just pay attention. 
Then patch a few words together and don't try to make them elaborate. This isn't a contest, but the doorway into thanks and a silence in which another voice may speak. Let us listen for that voice. Go in peace. Amen and blessed be.